Happy Sunday, Cover 7 family. What is going on? I hope you had an absolute amazing weekend. I hope y'all watched all the great bowl games that we had on. I know this is an NFL episode, but I hope y'all were able to watch a little bit of the um, college football playoff semifinal games as those were really good. And then also, we're able to watch some sun, you know, some Sunday NFL football and then the Thursday game that we had. But um, in today's episode, which if you read the title, you already know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be recapping all of our games from week 17 of the NFL season. Now, it's weird saying week 17 because this is technically not the last week of the regular season. I'm so used to saying that, but that we still have one more week left. But the second to last week of the season, we're going to be recapping all of the games that we had. You know, Thursday night, we were kicked off with the Cowboys and Titans, which the Titans pretty much were playing with a practice squad team. So it's a little bit interesting seeing the outcome of their game against the Cowboys. And then on Sunday, we had a just absolute buttload of good games. And then on Monday, we were able to wrap up Week 17 with a huge implication for the playoffs in a big-time AFC matchup between Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals taking on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And we're going to be talking about all of these games in today's episode. So make sure y'all sit back, y'all relax, make sure you grab a snack, make sure you grab a drink, or if you're on your way to work, make sure you got a coffee in your hand. As you're, you know, you make sure you at least have one hand on the wheel. Make sure you got your eyes looking, you know, at the road. So. Anyway, guys, I don't want to continue to blabber and make this intro any longer than it needs to be. So, But um, anyway, before we do start, just one final thing. Please make sure that you do follow the podcast, you rate it, you know, do whatever you can just to make sure we continue to spread it because I want to make sure that everybody can stay up to date, you know, with anything college football and NFL related. And, you know, you guys simply dropping a listen helps it, you know, grow and helps it, you know, allow for everybody to spread and continue to join our little community. So anyways, y'all, I don't want to waste y'all's time. Don't want to waste my time either. So let's get right into today's episode. And, you know, to kick us off in week 17, we're going to go out to Nashville, Tennessee on Thursday night football as we had the Dallas Cowboys who needed to win this game. You know, remember the playoff implications we talked a little bit about last week in um, last week's recap episode. The Cowboys have to win their final two, and then the Eagles, they have to lose their final two in order for Dallas to be able to clinch the NFC East and, you know, just ruin the Eagles, you know, number one seed. But um, anyway, to talk about how this game would go between the Cowboys and the Titans. And, you know, to start off even before the game, the Titans were decimated by injuries. Ryan Tannehill out for the season. Derrick Henry did not play in this game. They also didn't have, a, you know, just a lot of their offensive line guys are pretty much just a lot of practice squad guys and, you know, lower on the depth chart type of guys. And then defensively, they also were out without a pretty decent amount of people too. So for the Titans in this game, it was definitely a, well, we have nothing to lose here. We can get a higher draft pick, and I mean it is what it is. And you know, to make matters worse, they didn't play. They didn't start Malik Willis in this game, which I can understand because he still needs to develop, and he showed it these past few times that he started because he has looked pretty rough throwing the football. So they decided to go with a more veteran quarterback who's been around in the league for some years now, and that would be former Tennessee Volunteer quarterback Joshua Dobbs. Which nothing against Joshua, he was a great quarterback during his time at Tennessee, but definitely has not been that great of an NFL quarterback. And, well, it showed in this game. As this game was pretty painful to watch through about three quarters of football because the Cowboys, who were heavy favorites in this game, 13-point favorites, which they did cover. They covered. They they beat the Titans by 14. So for all you guys out there that bet you know the spread, you, you should be happy. But definitely, if you're a Cowboys fan, you should be at least a little bit worried with how Dak Prescott played in this game because, once again, Dak, who's been criticized heavily about his turnovers, 
he had three total turnovers in this game, one of which was a fumble and then went through two interceptions to Kevin Byard. Now, I will let one of the interceptions slide because it was technically a pass that was right in the hands of Peyton Hendershot, a rookie tight end for the Cowboys. He would bobble it up, and then it would land in the hands of Kevin Byard. But still, he threw one interception, which was on him. He fumbled the ball one time, which was on him. So definitely, Dak Prescott, if they're going to want to be able to make a Super Bowl run, you've got to correct turning the football over, but outside of that, the Cowboys would finally pick things up late in the game as CeeDee Lamb was Dak's t favorite target in this game, which doesn't really come as too much of a shock. 11 receptions for 100 yards receiving, didn't get any touchdowns, but, you know, Dak's favorite tight end target, Dalton Schultz, who for some reason the Cowboys, you know, just wanted to just refuse to move on from despite, you know, a lot of inconsistent play from him. He would have seven receptions in this game for 56 yards receiving and two touchdowns. So kind of shut me up a little bit by having a game like this, but still not a guy that I think you want to franchise tag. And then also for the Cowboys, T.Y. Hilton, a free agent acquisition that they got, the former Indianapolis Colt who had a huge play last week against the Eagles. You know, that third and 30 connection to Dak and T.Y., which ended up being a 50-yard reception. T.Y. would also get another 50 yards in this game, but it'd be on four different receptions, so T.Y. starting to slowly become more you know, in the game plan for the Dallas Cowboys as he would have four receptions for 50 yards receiving on the day. But you know, outside of that, this game was pretty lackluster. Obviously, as we all pretty much knew, Tennessee didn't really do much on offense, especially not having Derrick Henry. Only had 97 total yards rushing the football. Now, Joshua Dobbs would go 20 of 39, 232 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. So, not as bad as it could have been. Definitely, I think, would have definitely played a lot better than I think Malik Willis would have. But, once again, the Titans pretty much already know they're not going to the playoffs because the Jaguars have already solidified pretty much as the winner of the AFC South. So this was a pretty much a pointless game for both teams, really, if you look at kind of just in common sense terms. But anyway, Dallas, their defense would, be, would really be able to come up clutch and kind of help them, you know, with a lot of the mistakes they had in this game. Micah Parsons was able to get an, an incredible fumble recovery. And, you know, really... Dallas's game from start to finish as Dallas would go on to beat the Tennessee Titans. Barely, though, the score is a little bit misleading because if you watch this game, you know, looked at the first three quarters, you're like, this is a team that's supposed to make a Super Bowl push. But the fourth quarter, they got things clicking as they were able to shut out the uh, Titans in the fourth as the Cowboys would go on to beat the Titans 27-13 to as the Dallas Cowboys. They now improve to 12-4 and on the season as they have a you know decent matchup next week against the Washington Commanders, which I think they'll kind of take as more of a bye week. And then for the Tennessee Titans, you know, this game, Pretty much solidified the end of your season as the Titans, they now fall to 7-9 and nine behind, you know, being one of the most injury-riddled teams in the entire NFL. Now, y'all, that was it for Thursday. We don't have any crazy games. You know, we don't have any, you know, triple headers on Saturday. So we're going to head down to Sunday, which was our main slate of games finally once again. And, you know, kick it off in our noon slate. The first game that I do want to talk about, we're going to go down to Atlanta, Georgia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium as we had... Kind of a draft pick position game, really. You know, if you lose, you're actually the real winner because you get a higher pick. Because because in this game, we had the Arizona Cardinals, who are down to Trace McSorley, taking on the Atlanta Falcons, who now have their rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter, in as their starter for the rest of the season. And like I just talked a little bit about, this was a draft pick position game. You, you know, you lose, you technically win. And, you know, if you're a player and you win, you know, at least you can get a little bit more of a bonus or whatever, you know, little incentives you have in your contract. But looking at it from an outside, you know, outside view, this is really a game that if you're the Cardinals or Falcons, you kind of want to lose in order to get a better draft pick. But um, anyway, 
this game was pretty much you know uneventful for the most part, which rightfully so. Both teams are like once again like we've talked about for about the four at a time. They're both pretty much in tank mode. The Arizona Cardinals, which are absolutely battered with injuries, Atlanta just really young. They have a couple you know really good core pieces, but um, in this game, not a lot, not a crazy amount of offense. Now the Arizona Cardinals, they were now down to David Blaw, the former Purdue Boilermaker and former Detroit Lion backup quarterback. He would actually start in this game for the Cardinals and. Well, I mean, he did pretty much better than we've seen with, you know, Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray in some instances, as you'd go 24 of 40 with 222 yards passing and one touchdown. Um, outside of that, really not a lot would go for Arizona offensively. The run game only had 126 yards rushing in this game, which, considering they're going up against an Atlanta defense, which is not all that, wasn't really that great. Now, for the um, other side, for Atlanta, Desmond Ritter now in his third start as a professional he had another pretty efficient game, you know, not having anything crazy statistically, but still was efficient, 19-26, 169 yards passing. Um, but the run game of Atlanta is what would really end up, you know, helping them win this game. Uh, Tyler Algier, a guy that I really think needs to be talked about a lot more for what he's been able to do in the run game for Atlanta. He would have 20 carries for 80, 83 yards rushing and one touchdown. Cordell Patterson would also get into the end zone for a rushing touchdown as well. And, well, this game would come down to um, Young Way Koo, the amazing kicker of the Atlanta Falcons, and his foot literally as the Atlanta Falcons would get set up for the game-winning field goal. And Young Way Koo, like he always does, kicks it right through the uprights as the Atlanta Falcons would go on to beat the Cardinals 20-19. to As the Falcons, they improved to 6-10, and and I think considering, you know, the amount of players they've lost, you know, how young they are. 6-10 and 10 is not as horrible as, I, I mean, honestly, it's not as bad as you would think it would be. And then for Arizona, just an absolute disaster of a, you know, season. I fully, I full-heartedly expect Cliff Kingsbury to be gone as well as the general manager for them because, I mean, I don't think Arizona, with all the talent that they have, should even be in this position to have a worse record than the Atlanta Falcons. But they do get a higher draft pick, so, I mean, hey, there is at least a plus to this loss against the Falcons. Now, y'all, for our next game that we had here on Sunday, New Year's Day, obviously, um, we're going to go up north as we had an NFC North matchup between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Now, for Detroit, this is a must-win game right now. I don't, they're not they're not officially out of the playoffs yet, but losing that game last week against the Carolina Panthers, in which the Panthers ran the football with pretty much no effort. Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard both had over 100 yards rushing against this Detroit team. So this week, the biggest thing for them would be able to you know try and stop Justin Fields you know running the football because if they can contain Justin Fields. This would be an easy game for the Chicago Bears, and well, the way it started out, Chicago was absolutely on fire. Justin Fields would have 100 rushing yards in the first quarter. He also would break out another long um, rushing rushing attempt for 60 yards, so it looked like it was going to be you know a Justin Fields type of day. Now, he would get banged up a little bit, but would come back into the game, and passing-wise... Definitely was not Justin Fields' day. 7-21, 75 yards passing with one touchdown and one pick. And then after that first quarter, it was pretty much all Detroit for the rest of the game. Chicago would be shut out the next three quarters. Detroit would have 17 in the second, 14 in the third, and three points in the fourth as their offense was clicking on all cylinders. Jared Goff, who kind of had a little bit of a rough first half last week against Carolina, he balled out in this game 21-29 for 255 yards passing and three touchdowns. Now Jamal Williams, who has been a touchdown machine this year, 
for the Detroit Lions, who, I mean, literally throughout his five seasons at Green Bay Packer and all the rushing touchdowns he had in those five years, he's already surpassed that in this one season with the Detroit Lions. As on the season currently right now, he has 14 rushing touchdowns as he would get one in this game against the Chicago Bears to, to add also 144 yards rushing. DeAndre Swift. Also had 78 yards rushing and a touchdown. And then Jamison Williams, the first-round pick for the Lions, who you know hasn't really seen a lot of action, but when he's been able to get the ball in his hands, has looked really good. Well, he would get a jet sweep in this game that would go for 40 yards. So Jamison Williams, obviously the talent is still there. And, well, outside of that Detroit, they just played pretty well. Now, a funny thing to kind of, you know, a little, not static, or it is a stat, but just a kind of funny little note to add to this game. Aiden Hutchinson, who, you know, the former Michigan Wolverine man, which my T my TCU Horn Frogs knocked them out of the college football playoff. Don't mean to, you know, uh, kind of add any salt to the wound for all you Michigan fans. But um, Aiden Hutchinson, who already has two interceptions on the season, and just to you know, remind you, he is a defensive end. He's not like a corner. He's not a safety. He's not, you know, playing back or like a linebacker, for example. He is a defensive end. And, well, in this game, it was, I think it was at right at the end of the first half, Justin Fields would throw the football a little bit carelessly. Aiden Hutchinson would get the pick as that would now be his third interception on this season. And I definitely think he has made a case for defensive rookie of the year. But I think Sauce Gardner, who just made the Pro Bowl as well, I think he's already solidified it. But still, I think Aiden Hutchinson would be a really good runner-up for defensive rookie of the year. But anyway, Detroit, no issues against Chicago as they go on to beat the Bears 41-10 to as a uh, Lions playoffs hopes are still alive. And then for the Bears, you lose another game and you get a better pick. So, hey, there's always, you know, positives this time of year for a lot of bad teams. But, but anyway, we had another um, in-division rivalry game as we're going to go out west to the AFC West, which has been an absolute disappointment of a um, division as a whole as we had the Denver Broncos taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And for the Denver Broncos... After what happened last week against the Rams on Christmas Day, you know, going into this game, you were dreading this, like, absolutely, absurdly dreading this game. You know, you fired Nathaniel Hackett, which rightfully so. I mean, I thought they would at least do it at the end of the season. But, I mean, when you get blown out that bad on national television on a holiday against against Baker Mayfield, mind you, not something you really want. And then also, too, just the struggles the offense continues to have and everything like that. As we all, and, you know, Denver thought when they hired him from Green Bay, he was going to be some offensive mastermind. And, well, if you saw a lot of his play calls this year, clock management and everything like that, definitely looked like Aaron Rodgers might have been the reason, you know, why he had so much, so much success as the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. But regardless, you know, now they don't have Nathaniel Hackett. They have their interim head coach. And in this game against the Chiefs, this game was – Pretty much neck and neck throughout the entirety of it. Russell Wilson, who showed some flashes of what he should have brought to the Broncos at the beginning of the season, he would go 26 of 38, 222 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. You know, one of the best stat lines that um, Russell Wilson has had the entire year. And also, too, Russell Wilson was getting it done on the ground as well, had two rushing touchdowns. So, you know, if you're a Broncos fan, you feel a little bit more optimistic about, you know, 2023 seeing this game and seeing, you know, him slowly start to, you know, play back to MVP contending Russell Wilson and not, you know, the early season Denver Bronco Russell Wilson because, I mean, man, there's already been so many talks about cutting him, trading him, and yada, yada, yada. But I think if you give him the right head coach, you know, a guy like Pete Carroll who, you know, kind of played a lot to Russell Wilson's strengths, I think I think I think Russell Wilson can can get back to being a really good player. I mean, you still have Cortland Sutton, you still have um, Jerry Judy, you still have Albert O, who had his best game of the season in this game against his, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. 
I still think this offense can make something out of themselves. I mean, you get Javante Williams back next year after he recovers from his ACL tear. And, you know, I don't think the Broncos, they're a horrible team necessarily. I think definitely the coaching staff and everything like that needs to be changed. But I think, you know, when they're at full health, the offensive line is not as banged up as it was because it showed once again in this game that just how, you know, incredibly, you know, weak their offensive line is and how, you know, banged up they are because they allowed another four sacks in this game and Russell Wilson was pretty much running for his life the entire game. So definitely, you know, get a healthy offensive line, target offensive line in the draft or, you know, in free agency, build that up, you know, continue to have, you know, continue to add pieces around Russell Wilson. I think the offense can be something. Now, obviously, they're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West to win the conference, but I do think or the division, but I still think they can be a solid team. And then on the flip side for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Offense was a little bit slow to get going, but definitely this is a team that regardless, they always will find a way to win. Kind of similar to the Minnesota Vikings in that instance, but Patrick Mahomes, 29-42, 328 yards passing with three touchdowns and a pick. So he still did his thing. Run game was a little bit... Got a little bit kind of shut down in this game by Denver's defense, which has still been pretty good. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of forget Denver's had a top defense this year, but obviously it's kind of been overshadowed by how bad their offense has been. But they held Kansas City at only 46 yards rushing. Now, for Kansas City, you got a real bright spot in this game, and kind of something that's a little bit encouraging. You saw Kadarius Toney have a season-high 71 receiving yards in this game, so something definitely to kind of be happy about. Now, he did have a fumble in this game, so... That that's kind of negates a little, a little bit of it, but regardless, still a positive. But anyway, the Chiefs, they would survive against the Broncos after they, ha they would have a 14-point fourth quarter as they'd go on to beat the Broncos 27-24. to Now, y'all, for our next game, we're going to be talking about here on New Year's Day. We're going to be going back up north as we have yet another in-division game as we had the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots in an AFC East matchup. Now, for Miami, you wouldn't have Tua Tagovailoa in this game due to him suffering his third concussion of the season. I know they say that first one against the Bills early on in the season was a back injury. Let's all be frank. That was not a back injury. That was definitely concussion. And then, obviously, the one on Thursday night against the Bengals. And now he suffered another one last week against the um, Green Bay Packers on Christmas Day. So now they would not have two attack of Iloa. They would be down to Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson as their quarterbacks. And, well... Both of those quarterbacks would play in this game. Now, Teddy would be the starter, which makes perfect sense. You paid a lot of money to get him to be your backup quarterback. And Teddy didn't do necessarily horrible 12-19 for 161 yards passing with one TD and an interception. But the offense just seemed very lackluster. Tyreek Hill only had 55 yards on the day. Jalen Waddle only had 52 Raheem Mostert actually led the Dolphins in receiving with 62 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, normally when you don't have Tyreek or Jalen Waddle as your leading receiver, things probably are not going to end up pretty good for you. And, you know, when the run game only gets 86 yards rushing as well, not going to be that great of a day for you as Miami's offense was really lackluster in this game against the Patriots' defense. And, you know, on the flip side for the New England Patriots offense, you know, they've been lackluster all year. We know that Mac Jones has definitely struggled with, you know, with having Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as his co-offensive coordinators. But in this game, Matt Jones very much improved a little bit. 20-33 for 203 yards passing and two touchdowns. Didn't even throw a pick either, which is a big thing for him. And even with his offensive line still struggling a little bit, getting sacked three times in this game, he still looked pretty decent. Now the run game, 
only had 77 yards on the day. Pass game was nothing crazy, but the defense of the Patriots is truly what helped them win this game over the Miami Dolphins as the Patriots would go on to win 23-21 to as the Patriots somehow are still in the playoff race in the AFC. So that's going to be interesting to see how that whole little race goes down. Now, y'all, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the Giants are finally back in the postseason for the first time since 2016 after they, were, after they were able to beat the Indianapolis Colts. But anyway, to talk about this game a little bit, Nick Foles, who you know comes now in replacement of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's pretty much done for the year. Nick Foles comes in, and after having a three-interception performance last week you know, on Monday Night Football against the Chargers, what does Nick Foles do in this game? Throws a pick six directly to Landon Collins, and Landon Collins takes it to the house. And But also, unfortunately for Nick Foles, he would go down with an injury in this game and would not return after Kayvon Thibodeau would get to him on a sack. Now, Kayvon Thibodeau, and I, I think he's kind of getting a little bit... Uh, I think it's kind of getting taken a little bit out of context. Now, Kayvon Thibodeau was doing the motion of like a snow angel, right? You know, you got your arms and, you know, arms, legs flailing, you know, up and down, up and down, you know, a snow angel. And But unfortunately, the bad part about it was Nick Foles was directly next to him, literally in complete pain and agony. So it kind of it kind of looked a little bit bad for Kayvon, Kayvon Thibodeau. But regardless, the kid's having an amazing rookie season for the Giants, has been a key piece, you know, of their pass rush and defense. And, you know, on the flip side for the New York Giants offense, I think it's time that you give Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, you know, their long-term contract extensions, especially Daniel Jones as, you know, he's been a quarterback that I don't think's really been talked a lot about, you know, how he's been able to help anchor, you know, this Giants offense considering their offensive line not being the greatest. Now, you have Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas who are both your tackles who have done pretty good so far, you know, both first-round picks. Evan Neal this past year's draft, Andrew Thomas the year before. But Daniel Jones, man, he he looked good in this game. 19 to 24, 177 yards passing with two passing touchdowns. He also was able to get 91 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. So four total touchdowns on the day for Daniel Jones as he just he looked absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I seriously think if you're the Giants, you're kind of glad because now you do not have to waste another first round or second round pick on a quarterback is I think give him give him a two to three year contract extension see what he does I don't I don't say give him like a six or seven year contract but definitely at least give him you know another few years but I mean this was this was Giants from start to finish and well in the second quarter really showed as he would go on to score 24 unanswered points in the second quarter as the Giants would completely roll over the Indianapolis Colts 38 to 10 as the Giants with this win have officially clinched themselves a spot in the NFC and have made it to the playoffs for the first time in what feels like literally forever. Now, y'all, we're going to stay in the NFC East, but we're going to be going to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, as we have now the Jalen Hurts-less Philadelphia Eagles in this game taking on the New Orleans Saints. And, well, New Orleans, their defense was absolutely lights out in this game. Got six sacks on the day on Gardner Minshew. Also were able to get a pick six. Marshawn Lattimore did. Literally took the ball right out of A.J. AJ Brown's hands and went straight to the end zone. And, I mean, the offense wasn't that bad. No, Andy Dalton got sacked six times in this game as well, which has kind of been a reoccurring thing for the Saints on offense. But, you know, outside of throwing one interception, Andy Dalton looked pretty good airing the football out. Would go 18 of 22 for 204 yards passing. I mean, hey, being a TCU man, I know what you're getting out of Andy Dalton. Very, He's been a little bit inconsistent this year, but when he's been on fire, that man has been on fire. And, well, he once again had a long ball to Rashid Shahid, the undrafted rookie for the Saints. And, I mean, that kid's been a stud as well. But, anyway, you know, talking a little bit about how 
Philadelphia only put up 10 points in this game. 10. I think Minshew, Minshew Mania, Minshew Magic, whatever you want to call it, I think it's died down now. I think the hype can, you know, chill out a little bit. As Gardner Minshew definitely did not look that great in this game. 18-32, 274 yards passing with one touchdown. And then that pick six that he threw to Marshawn Lattimore. Now, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown still looked good in this game. Devontae Smith had 115 yards receiving. A.J. Brown had 97 and a touchdown. So the wide receivers are not the issue. But definitely, if you've been kind of questioning, you know, Jalen Hurts being the MVP and everything like that, I think if you watch this game, you're kind of like, yeah, I think Jalen Hurts definitely does deserve it. Now, I know in the last episode, I talked a little bit about how I thought Patrick Mahomes was a front runner, largely due to the fact that how well Gardner Minshew played in that game against the Cowboys. But... After watching this game, you kind of have to shift your opinion a little bit on Jalen Hurts and say, you know, give him his credit, right? I mean, give him his flowers, give him whatever you want because, I mean, you could tell not having that same type of mobility at the quarterback position really hampered the Eagles in this game as they would actually get upset at home 20-10 to against the New Orleans Saints in a game that which, you know, the Eagles needed to win if they want to be able to continue to keep, you know, their you know number one seed in the NFC and also to be able to actually win the NFC East. So definitely a game that the Eagles, they definitely should have won. But regardless, they're still going to end up probably being the number one seed. I don't doubt that whatsoever. But definitely not a game that you do want to lose. Now, y'all, we're going to finally head back down south as we had Tom Brady and Mike Evans. They were... They were going off in this game against the Carolina Panthers. Tom Brady would connect three times with Mike Evans in this game for three passing touchdowns. And Mike Evans had his best best game ever as a pro. Ten receptions on the day for 207 yards receiving with three touchdowns. I mean, this, this, is, this is what I think Buccaneer fans have been like begging almost like, where has this offense been? Like, where's this Tom Brady been? Because Tom Brady was slinging the ball, you know, not scared, throwing it downfield. And when you look at stat-wise, Tom Brady lit up the score, you know, lit up the score sheet. I mean, if you, I mean, if you had him in fantasy this week, you were absolutely pleased. And they definitely were taking advantage of, you know, uh, Carolina's secondary being kind of hampered a little bit. You know, don't have Dante Jackson, don't have J.C. Horn. You know, def, you know, definitely hampered. You could say for Carolina's secondary, and it showed. As Tom Brady on the day would go 34 of 45, yes, only 11 incompletions for 432 yards passing, three touchdowns, which all of those would go to Mike Evans and zero interceptions. And the best part about it was, too, Chris Godwin also had himself an amazing day as he would have had 120 yards receiving. So this Buccaneers offense was absolutely on fire. Now, I will give Sam Darnold and the Panthers some credit as well for their offense because the run game got shut down by Tampa Bay, only had 74 on the day compared to last week against the Lions, in which they had, I think, about 300 yards rushing. So, you know, a huge difference now going from 300 to 74. And normally with the Panthers, if you're able to shut down the run, you know, it's pretty much going to be game over. But Sam Darnold, he showed, he went back, he went a little bit back to his USC days, being able to sling the football as he'd go 23 of 37 for 341 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception. But Tom Brady and the Buccaneers would just be too much for the um, Sam Darnold-led Carolina Panthers as Tampa Bay will go on to beat the Panthers 30 to 24. As Tampa Bay still has a chance at making the playoffs and winning the NFC. 
South Division with a win next week. And then for Carolina, pretty much your playoff hopes at this point are done now because, well, this was a game that Carolina needed to win. But regardless, Sam Darnold looked pretty good. And, I mean, hey, if you don't draft a quarterback this year, give Sam Darnold another chance this, this um, upcoming season. And, I mean, I mean, he hasn't looked bad when he's had to come in. You know, the Baker Mayfield experiment didn't work. P.J. Walker didn't work. We haven't really been able to see Matt Corral because, well, he's been out literally the whole season. So, Right now, I mean, hey, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you're kind of giving a second, you know, second look at Sam Darnold and saying, you know, what do we have, you know, currently at the quarterback position. But regardless, huge game for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to, you know, get that momentum back. And, I mean, definitely, you know, you don't want Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to get hot because when they get hot, there may not be a better team in all of football outside of obviously, you know, like the Bills and Chiefs. But anyway, Buccaneers were able to win against the uh, Carolina Panthers. Now, y'all, the next game we've got, and, I mean, this was a game that Washington had to win. You needed to win this game, Washington, if you wanted a chance at the playoffs. And, well, Amari Cooper pretty much went back to his Cowboys days and, you know, what he would do against Washington, and he lit it up. Only had three receptions on the day, too, but would have 105 yards receiving and two touchdowns. So two of his three receptions were touchdowns. Not ideal, Washington, especially a guy of Amari Cooper's stature. He really was the main offensive guy in this game. Um, Deshaun Watson, who didn't really have to do much because Nick Chubb had 104 rushing yards on the day. But Deshaun Watson, with only nine completions on the day, had, had a 50% completion percentage, going 9 of 18 for 169 yards passing with three passing touchdowns. So, hey... You know, all the critics out there, Deshaun Watson, I'm telling you, you got to give him the rest of the year. Give him, you know, a full off season again to be able to train and warm up. And, I mean, I'm now $230 million, $240 million, whatever that huge price tag that the Browns gave him that was all guaranteed. Definitely was a little bit steep, I'm not going to lie to you. But definitely a healthy Deshaun Watson and a warmed-up Deshaun Watson is a quarterback that you do not want to go up against. And, you know, despite being sacked five times in this game, I would say it wasn't a horrifyingly bad day for Cleveland offensively, but for the Washington Commanders, you benched Taylor Heineke last week against the 49ers in favor of Carson Wentz, so Carson Wentz is now back as you know your starting quarterback. And I really don't understand why you thought Carson Wentz was going to be any better than Chris Heineke, because what did Carson Wentz do in this game against the Cleveland Browns? Threw three interceptions in this game and only had 143 yards passing. Oh, I really, I just, I, I mean, Washington, I mean, are you trying to purposely not make the playoffs? I really do not understand whatsoever what the move was going with Carson Wentz because Taylor Heineke, even in that game against San Francisco, was not even really that bad. But Ron Rivera wanted to give Carson Wentz another chance, and it bit him right in the rear end as Cleveland would go on to beat the Washington Commanders, pretty much almost eliminating them out of the playoffs by a score of 24-10. to And, I mean, man, just what a miserable game offensively for the Washington Commanders. Now, since we had a miserable game offensively, the next game we're going to talk about was the complete opposite for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they would go down to Houston against their AFC South rival, the Houston Texans, and would just absolutely steamroll those te those guys down there. I mean, and the best part about it was the offense didn't even have that crazy of a day. Now, Travis Etienne kind of got back to doing Travis Etienne things, 108 yards rushing with a touchdown. Michael Hasty had a rushing touchdown. Snoop Connor, one of the best names you'll ever hear, he had a rushing touchdown as well. Trevor Lawrence didn't even have a passing touchdown in this game. 17-21 for 152 yards passing with one interception. But it would be the defense of the Jaguars that was absolutely on 
fire in this game. Only having two only having two sacks in this game, but one of those would be a strip fumble recovery that would go for a touchdown. And I mean, I don't know what it was. I, I mean, I really could not tell you. But I mean, the Jaguars, the run game came back alive. You know, which you know, with uh, Trevor Lawrence not having his best game, you know, the run game really carried and helped him. The defense pretty much shut out the Texans in this game, only allowing one field goal. As I mean, man, this was a this this is really kind of one of those things where you don't want a team to get hot, and for Jacksonville, you do not want this team to be hot right now. But I mean, they they did exactly that against Houston, as they would beat the Texans 31 to three as we wrapped up our noon slate of games. So now let's get to our quadruple header of late slate games that we did have. We had four games here in our late slate, but the first one that I do want to talk about. We're going to head back out west as we had the San Francisco 49ers and their top defense taking on the now Derek Carr-less Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Derek Carr got benched earlier in the week in favor of now Jared Stidham. And I would say that was not a bad move whatsoever to you know, start Jared Stidham in this game. Because Jarrett Stidham in this game against the San Francisco 49ers will go 23 of 34, 365 yards passing, had three passing touchdowns as well. Him and Devontae Adams in this game were absolutely on fire, but late in the game would throw two pretty costly interceptions. But outside of that, if you're a Raider fan, definitely seeing Jarrett Stidham, who, in case a lot of people kind of forget when he was coming out of Auburn in college, you know, said, I think it was about a year or two behind Tom Brady was able to kind of develop a little bit, if you want to say. And I'm not saying he's, a few, he's not the future quarterback. We all know that. But definitely, it's kind of one of the few bright spots that the Raiders have had in a while, and especially at the quarterback position. Now, for Devontae Adams, he had himself an amazing game. Seven receptions for 153 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Really, this Raiders team has really been the first team that we've seen in a while kind of, you know, ex exploit the San Francisco 49er defense. And I know the 49ers ended up winning this game, but regardless – it did show a couple holes that the 49ers did have, but the 49ers now with you know fifth straight start for Brock Purdy, they still continue to do their thing on offense. 22 of 35, 284 yards passing, a touch or two touchdowns and a pick. And Christian McCaffrey, I mean this dude has been an absolute steal for the 49ers ever since they traded for him from the Panthers at the trade deadline. 19 carries for 121 yards rushing and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk also was pretty good in this game with nine receptions for 101 yards receiving and a touchdown. As the San Francisco 49ers would have a strong fourth quarter against the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this game was neck and neck throughout the entirety, so it was not like the 49ers purely dominated this game because that is just not the case. But when the 49ers needed Brock Purdy in the offense to step up the most, you know, especially with the defense not really playing the way that they have in the past few weeks, the offense did exactly that as Brock Purdy and the 49ers would be able to escape a potential upset by the Las Vegas Raiders 37-34 to as the 49ers, who are now at 12-4, and are in prime position to have one of the top seeds in the NFC. Now, y'all, for the next game that we had here in our late slate, we're going to stay out west. But we're going to go up a little bit north as we're going to go up to Lumen Field in Seattle as we had the Mike White now-led New York Jets taking on the Seattle Seahawks. And, well, I think the Mike... Mike White power, or no, 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 sorry, the Mike power, I'm not going to say that. I think the Mike power definitely is kind of, you know, died down a little bit, kind of similar to um, Minshew Mania, as Mike White in this game just struggled throwing the football whatsoever, 23 of 46, 240 yards passing with two picks. But a lot of credit needs to be given to the, you know, the secondary of the Seattle Seahawks, you know, led by one of the best rookies, and I mean, you could even say right now, one of the best corners in football, Tariq Woolen, who was a fourth-round pick coming out of UTSA and has really emerged as 
who I think probably should end up winning Defensive Rookie of the Year. Now, I still think Sauce Gardner will end up winning it, but regardless, Tariq Woolen definitely should be top three in voting. But yeah, just the Jets could not get anything going on offense this entire game. They were shut out in the second half, only had two field goals the entire game. Garrett Wilson was, head to only, was held to only 18 yards receiving in this game. As, you know, Seattle's defense, which is kind of funny to say... <laughs> Their defense was a big reason why they won this game. Now, Kenneth Walker also was able to run pretty good against this uh, New York Jets defense, which has been pretty solid. He had 133 yards rushing on the day. Geno Smith, 18 of 29, 183 yards passing with two touchdowns and no interceptions. So, good thing for Geno as a Seahawks offense. Thrived in this game. Their defense really thrived behind the really great play of Tariq Woolen. And, I mean, just it's so, it's so fun just seeing this young core that Seattle does have, considering also, too, they're still somehow in the playoff race with this win over the Jets. Now, the Jets, they are eliminated now. And now, if you hear me talking about the different, you know, if I say something about the playoff, you know, seeding, everything like that, and it's not wrong or, or it is wrong, do not critique me because I, I, I do not feel like hurting my brain trying to understand all the little statistics that go into it, the circumstances and everything like that. All that you need to know, guys, is that Week 18, it's going to come down to a lot of you know different circumstances for a lot of different teams to be able to make the playoffs. But regardless, the Seahawks were able to pull out a great win against the Jets, 23-6. Now we're going to go to our next late slate game that we had. We're going to go up to Green Bay as we had one of the more shocking outcomes of the entire weekend. As the Green Bay Packers dominated the Minnesota Vikings from start to finish, and a lot of that was due to the great play of the defense. Most notably, Jair Alexander, who shut down Justin Jefferson pretty much for the most part in this game. Justin Jefferson only had one reception for 15 yards in this game, so a lot of credit to Jair. Also, Darnell Savage would have himself a pick six in this game. Adrian Amos would have a pick. Rudy Ford would have a pick. I mean, the Packers' defense stepped up heavily in this game. They're starting to get a little bit more healthy, too, which is a huge plus considering that all Green Bay has to do now, you know, they control their, desti their destiny. All they have to do is win their final game against the Detroit Lions at home, and they will be heading to the playoffs. Now, for the Minnesota Vikings, this loss was pretty much coming. I mean, when you play in as many close games as they have, you know, coming literally down to the last second on a game-winning field goal, especially against teams that you should easily beat. You know, we saw them go down 33-0 at half against the Colts. Now, they came back in that game, and we also saw it against the Giants in which Vance Joseph bailed them out also again. But going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it's not something that you really can do, and it showed in this game as the offense really struggled. Kirk Cousins only had 205 yards passing with one touchdown, and then also through those three interceptions, the run game got shut down, only had 102 total yards rushing. Dalvin Cook only had 27 of his own. And just Minnesota really could not get anything going offensively. Kirk Cousins also had a fumble in this game. Jalen Rager had a fumble, but luckily they would. The um, Minnesota would recover it right back. Dalvin Cook also recovered or had a fumble, but he recovered it. So this was a game that was purely dominant by the Green Bay Packers, and it's really starting. I mean, you know, we talk about the Jaguars, a team you don't want to play. We talk about the Lions being a team you don't want to play. I think right now, if you're in the NFC, you really do not want to play the Green Bay Packers because the way that they're playing right now, they're only getting healthier. And with how Aaron Rodgers is playing, how the defense is playing, most notably the secondary, which had struggled for you know the first half of the season, this Green Bay Packers team is going to be really scary if they do make it to the playoffs. But anyway, the Packers, they absolutely dominate the Vikings 41-17 to as the Packers, all hopes rely next week against Detroit. All they have to do is win. Packer fans, all you need to do is get a win against Detroit, and you will be sailing high into the playoffs. 
Now, y'all, for our next game that we had in our final uh, late slate game that we had, we're going to go out to L.A. as we had literally the Battle of Los Angeles between the Rams and the Chargers. And for the Chargers, your offense started to go right back to how it probably should have been from the beginning of the season. Justin Herbert only had seven incompletions on the day, would throw for 212 yards and two passing touchdowns. Now, the biggest player in this game would actually be Austin Eckler for what he was able to do in the run game. Normally, you see him getting it out of the backfield a lot, you know, in the flat, but I mean, Austin Eckler was running like a madman in this game. 10 carries for 122 yards uh, rushing and two rushing touchdowns as well. As the Los Angeles Chargers definitely shut down the Rams and kind of, you know, hushed them a little bit. Now for the Rams offense, they really couldn't get anything going that much. Joey Bosa was finally coming back for the Chargers. So now they had Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on the field at the same time. Didn't have Derwin James, who was out with a concussion, but regardless, I mean, they still were able to dominate. Not allow Baker Mayfield to really get much going. The offensive line struggled in this game. Baker Mayfield was sacked three times, only would go 11-19 for 132 yards passing. So, great job by the Chargers defense to be able to shut down, you know, a team that literally had put up 51 points last week on the Broncos. As Cam Akers also would rush for 123 yards, so... Not a horrible performance offensively by the Rams, but definitely were never able to put up as many points as they needed to. As the Chargers would go on to win the, the Battle of L.A. 31-10 over the Los Angeles Rams. Now, y'all, we're going to head to Sunday Night Football, the game that originally was in place of the Rams and the um, Chargers now getting flexed to Sunday night as we have one of the best rivalries in all of sports, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the um, Baltimore Ravens. Now, this game by no means had a ton of offense, so if you liked offense, I hope you did not watch this game because it was definitely a battle between two really good defenses of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Ravens. Now, Kenny Pickett, and I know people are going to give him a lot of you know crud for how he started his career, at least you know starting games through those three picks against the Jets, through three picks on Sunday Night Football against the Dolphins, but... Kenny Pickett, I mean, if he continues to develop the way he has, you know, in this system with Mike Tomlin, he could potentially be a really good quarterback for the Steelers as Kenny Pickett would deliver the game-winning touchdown to Najee Harris out of the backfield as Kenny Pickett on the day would go 15-27, 168 yards passing with one touchdown, which would be the game-winning touchdown, and didn't throw any interceptions, so that's a really good thing considering he's going up against a ball hawk secondary in the Pittsburgh, uh, the, in the not Pittsburgh Steelers, in the Baltimore Ravens, Najee Harris was able to get back into the run game a little bit. 111 yards rushing, also was able to notch that one game tying reception. Jalen Warren, the undrafted rookie out of Oklahoma State, he had 76 rushing yards on the day as well. So not too shabby for Pittsburgh running the football. And then for the Baltimore Ravens, definitely, definitely was a rocky game offensively. Tyler Huntley looked good at points and then also looked. Not that great at points, 14 to 21, 130 yards passing with one touchdown, but would end up throwing the game, was a game losing interception right to Minka Fitzpatrick as the Pittsburgh Steelers would get the last laugh as he still just somehow, and I don't understand this, are still somehow alive in the playoffs as they go on to beat their absolute arch rival, the Baltimore Ravens, 16 to 13 to wrap us up here on Sunday night football. Now, y'all, as exciting as, you know, this weekend was with all these amazing games that we had, unfortunately, Monday Night Football would really kind of, in you know, not nothing against the players or anything like that, but it really kind of set a somber tone, really, if you want to say that. And, well, Monday Night Football, we had the Buffalo Bills and the um, Cincinnati Bengals and a game that was truly supposed to be the best game of the season, right? But, you know, in this game, football pretty much became an afterthought. And for, you know, a numerous amount of 
great reasons because um, DeMar Hamlin, who was a six-round pick out of Pittsburgh, who's now kind of the, become the starting safety for the Buffalo Bills due to all the injuries that they've had after the safety position. You know, he's trying to make a tackle on T. Higgins. T. Higgins was coming over the middle of the field. DeMar Hamlin got pretty hit. I would say got hit hard pretty good. And unfortunately, he would fall to the ground, but then would get right back up, and he would move around a little bit, and then just would suddenly collapse. And it was one of the most scary things that you will ever see, you know, in a football game. And unfortunately, and please, guys, if you ever see anybody post a video, please make sure you tell them delete it because that's not something I think anybody should be reminded of or having to watch ever, especially family and teammate and everything like that. But um, yeah, and to make matters worse, we would get word that you know he was being there's. CPR that was being performed on this young man and just truly was devastating to see because I mean they simply could not get him up and it was it, it was and I mean you could tell it was bad when you saw his teammates Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, pretty much almost every single Buffalo Bills player had tears in their eyes and were clearly distressed and you know had been shaken up from what they seen and I mean even me you know sitting on the couch watching this game now, obviously, not the same type of circumstance, but just watching it and seeing it live and just seeing, you know, the reactions of everybody around you, I mean, it makes your heart literally sink because this is a young man at this point now that is fighting for his life. And, you know, we later would get an update that um he had a pulse, but unfortunately was not breathing on his own. And, you know, up until this point that I'm recording, we don't know everything yet. By the time this episode comes out, we will. But I mean, if y'all have, if y'all truly, you know, believe in God and believe in prayer and everything like that, please make sure you're praying for Tamar Hamlin, because man, this was just a scary uh, situation, and you know, you don't wish this on anybody. And obviously, right now, football is definitely a second, you know, is is the last thing anybody should be thinking about. And well, the NFL, they at, they at first were about to tell the teams, you know, you have five minutes to warm up, and then you know, we'll resume play. Thankfully, Zach Taylor and um, Doug McDermott both came out and said, okay, hold on, hold on, let's postpone the game right now until we get further word. You know, about I'd say about 30 to 45 minutes goes by, and then the NFL finally decides to cancel the game or at least postpone it until a further date. So thankfully, the NFL did not try to continue to play this game because if you saw the way those players were distraught, you could tell that they were not in any type of right mind to play a game tonight, and rightfully so. So make sure you continue to pray for DeMar Hamlin and his family and friends and teammates and just hopefully he does get the strength and hopefully he's able to recover from this incident because that was just that was one scary sight to see, especially on a national, you know, television. So but anyway, y'all, that is a recap of week seventeen. I'm sorry that unfortunately it didn't wrap up the way that we all wanted it to, but at the same time, a human being and his life currently are at risk. So we need to make sure we continue to pray for him and do absolutely everything in our power to make sure that, you know, he'll be able to recover. So, guys, thank you so much for all the support y'all do show, man. Seriously, it, it's been a blessing. And, you know, here in 2023, I can't wait to see, you know, all the growth we have, continuing to, you know, all the new football news and everything like, the, like that that we've got. So, guys, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for allowing my first year of doing this to be so special. And, I can't wait to continue to make, you know, continue to make more of these episodes for y'all here in 2023. So guys, thank you so much for all the y'all do. Thank y'all for tuning in to today's recap of week 17. And guys, I will catch y'all back here tomorrow as we'll have a preview for week 18 of the 2022 NFL season. And also, you know what, actually, I think I'm going to post the preview for the national championship game. I want to say on Thursday, probably. So we'll have an interview coming out on Thursday also on top of having the preview for the college football national championship game. So guys, thank you so much once again. I hope y'all have a great Tuesday and I'll catch y'all back here tomorrow as we preview week 18 of the 2022 NFL season.